We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, to the left of my screen here on twitch.tv slash MIA Heat Beat, is our statistician and pun master host of the Dunker Spot Podcast on the Basketball News Network. Uh, he is Nikias Duncan. Sir, how are you? I am doing well, doing well. Um, a little chilly um, for <laughs> you know the people that are <laughs> looking at the stream. I am currently in my car at the moment. Um, I was chilling in the living room. That's typically where I record my podcast um, at my at my aunt's house right now. And uh, at eight forty ish, they decided, you know what? Let's uh, let's make some pancakes. Let's get some, let's get some <laughs> breakfast for dinner going. So now they're downstairs. My cousin is downstairs, and she is on Roblox slash Facetime with her friends. <laughs> so it's uh it's very it's very loud. So uh, on short notice, I had to come out here. Kind of had to make haste so I could be on time. So I'm just chilling in the front seat right now. Recording it must be cold. This, this is unlike a COVID situation in the NBA where the teams are short staffed, but they got to make it happen. They have to be in un- uncomfortable positions and Nikias getting it done. Uh, Nikias, I really want people to check out your podcast. I listened to it. The first episode, the dunker spot, uh, a, by the way, a plus name, a plus podcast art. It is incredible. <laughs> and the content between you and Steve Jones, who's going to join us in a second, uh, your co-host, it is probably right there with the low post as the smartest basketball show out there. Where can people find it? Well, you can find it basically anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, um, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, it's on Podbean. Uh, it, it's a little bit of delay, I think, getting that on there. It wasn't up like when the first when the pod first launched on Monday morning. I think it got there later on Monday afternoon. So yeah. as far as the new episodes... Speaking of which, we are recording after this stream, actually. Going to do some hardened reactions. Um, we're we're going to get to the nuts and bolts of this thing. Um, get into all the new fits. But um, anyway, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, anywhere else, you can find the Dunker Spot with me and Steve Jones Jr. Um, first episode was a little longer than I anticipated, but it was fun chopping it up with a former assistant coach, former video coordinator. And we're going to keep on trucking. I think the great part about your show is that, you know, when you listen to low and when you listen to, you know, anything on the athletic or whatever, uh, those more like general NBA shows, they're going to focus on, you know, the Clippers, the Warriors, uh, the, the, the bucks and everything. I mean, you guys spent a good 10, 15 minutes on, on the Cleveland Cavs and stuff like you're going to get an encompassing look at the league. And I think that that's important, especially during a time like trade talk, where I think our listeners may not know that Larry Nance is one of the best defensive players in the league this year. Right. And and these are things that I think as he fans and as just general smart basketball fans, you know, we want to know about, so we don't, we don't just need to know what's going on with the good teams. You know, there's a whole league out there with professional basketball players and Nikias and Steve are covering that. Uh, I'm so Nikias. I'm so excited. I'm proud of you, man. You're the best. You, you are one of the best human beings on earth. So I'm proud of the success and I'm excited. This, this is great. 
we move. I appreciate it, man. It's 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 great. So let's kind of get into what we want to talk about today. And the start of this is the James Harden trade because James gets traded uh, to Brooklyn. And what what happened rather quickly last night, James made some comments at a press conference. Then John Wall made some comments at a press conference. And then today, Boogie Cousins kind of made some comments at a press conference. And uh, then the coach of Silas said that, uh, well, I think it's good if James is away from the group right now. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. And, uh, and then boom, he gets traded to the next. That's it for a lot of stuff, right? It's, it, I think, centered around eight draft picks, four of which are conveyed, three of which are the Nets, one is the Bucks, and the other four are pick swaps. Uh, a bunch of players, what ended up being Victor Oladipo is now on the Rockets and, and a bunch of picks. I, I don't want to get too much into if they gave too much or not. I do want to talk about how this affects the Heat, right? So we're looking at a, a Nets team with those three guys, some of their depth is sacrifice. I have questions about... I think everyone does about kind of what they're going to do defensively. Are we kind of overstating that? Uh, I don't think we're overstating it just because the teams at the top of the East that the Nets are going to have to contend with, they all have players that can attack those very specific weaknesses. Right. So like, if you're looking at Milwaukee, um, who are you building the wall with? in Brooklyn to kind of stop Giannis from getting into the lane. And if you're talking about, you know, the Boston Celtics, if they're he- if they're healthy when Tumble Walker's back, you know, Kyrie had, when he was there, Kyrie was showing tremendous effort on defensive end. Like he looked like a very much improved and engaged defender. He's still not a guy that's going to like shut down Kimball Walker running a bunch of high, uh, high ball screens. You add in the leaps that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have made. Like, that's a lot of wing talent, and the Nets don't have a lot of wing defenders. So I think that's going to be something to watch for. And then you're looking at Miami. Like Bam Adebayo is really freaking good. Jimmy Buck can get downhill, get to the free throw line. He's really freaking good. There are shooters everywhere. Um, a lot of guys you got to track over screens, and you look at what's left in Brooklyn right now, it's, again, it's kind of thin. Like, Bruce Brown is good. Um Timothy Luau Cabarro is a good defender, but that, I mean, that's just asking a lot of them. And, you know, if you get into a situation where Bama's aggressive, he gets a guy like DeAndre Jordan in foul trouble. The center behind him yeah. is Nick Claxton right now, who is a prospect that I like. I mean, he is a switchable big. I think he has some talent. I'm interested to see what he looks like, assuming that he gets more burn. But like that is, that's kind of tough if that's your depth right now. So I think Brooklyn is definitely going to have to address this somehow with a trade. They're going to have to hit the free agent market, hit the bargain bin, see if they can snag some guys, um, particularly in the front court, you know, just to bolster the depth a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think one of the easy answers is, okay, well, you know, if, if DJ is not going to play a lot because in, in foul trouble or whatever, you know, you got to downsize for some minutes. You kind of can can buy maybe five, ten minutes at Katie at the five. Um, you know, surround him with shooters and just really just outrun and outscore teams. Uh, that might be an option for them. I'm curious in how the switching is going to look, uh, Nikias. Like I haven't watched a lot of Nets games this season, but how how are they when they switch? Because if you have a hardened defense, uh, that tends to be the mm-hmm. best way to hide him. He's a big guy. He can't really get punished on the block. Uh, he's really strong and, and that's kind of what you do. But if you have a guy like DJ and you kind of put both of them in pick and roll, I don't know if you want to switch DJ out. So kind of what do you, you know, if you're Miami and you're, you want to attack that, if you want to, if you want to have a Dragic bam, pick and roll or whoever, whoever the hell is, is James is guarding. Like how, how does that look? Um, I think from what I've watched from Brooklyn this year, it's, they're primarily a drop team, but it's kind of one of those like hybrid drop things. Like they're going to drop their five, but one through four, they're going to switch unless there's just a massive mismatch and they can't do that. So if you're looking at a potential Brooklyn Nets, um, Miami Heat matchup, like I think they're pretty comfortably going to switch one through four. Um, if you're looking, I mean, the drug bam, pick and roll is going to be there. They're not going to switch DeAndre Jordan out. They're just not going to do it. So I think just looking at that from a playoff context, that's always going to be there. Um, you're going to be able to attack DJ in those dribble handoffs. Um, love when Miami clears the side. You have, you know, Duncan Robinson come off one screen at the middle of the floor and then just fly into that empty corner. And, you know, that's just a pick your poison thing. If you don't get out to that corner, it's a clean 
it's a clean look on the move for Duncan Robinson. If you do, Bam slips, you get there. I mean, the rotation behind it, you, you're not going to be able to stop Bam at the rim. So those actions are going to kind of be built in because Brooklyn does not want to switch their fives. They didn't do it with Jared Allen. Now, and he at least had the mobility to do it. DeAndre Jordan can't do that at this stage. So they're not going to switch that. Um, I think that's where, you know, the development of Nick Claxton, if he gets more playing time, that's going to be huge because he's going to be the guy, the traditional center on their roster right now that can switch out a little bit. So maybe he's a guy you throw in. But if you're closing games with Nick Claxton, that means he has made an unsuspected leap or you're very much in trouble. <laughs> because those minutes, uh, Clutch Adam in the chat saying Kyle Lowry will make a lot of will make easy work of Kyrie and Harden. Listen, uh, you you want to speak that into existence? I you know don't tell my friends at Distance and Dimes, but I would welcome <laughs> it. Um, I kind of want Kyle to retire a Raptor, but you know if he's here, so be it. Uh, that that'll obviously that'll change the calculus on their team. We'll kind of get into that on a later date, closer to the trade deadline. I always joke that Adam Clutch Adam of Five Reasons, uh, the homie, always DMs me Nikias after the Raptors lose, and God, do they lose a lot lately? Uh, he DMs me a picture of Kyle. Sometimes it's <laughs> Kyle in a Heat jersey. Sometimes it's just Kyle. Lately, it's been a lot of Kyle and Jimmy Dap. Uh, so like, just kind of letting me know. That's what's going to be on the table. <laughs> Nikai, something I really have wanted to talk to you it's about, because we've talked a little bit on the group chat and a little bit on the timeline about this. Uh, we've gotten into it a bit on pods, but I, I think we have a, more of a sample of Tyler Hero as the lead ball handler. And especially we saw a lot of it last night. He's been really good in terms of not shooting the ball, but as a pick and roll ball handler, he is in like the 95th percentile. He is, he's scoring, I think what's 1.17 uh, per, per points per possession, 1.21 points per possession, which is in the 94th percentile. Uh, he's shooting really well. He's shooting 60% off those actions. I mean, he, you saw yesterday, I mean, he was in his bag. Mm-hmm. He was getting into that step back uh, right in the paint. He's not, you know, it's, and he was challenging and beat at the rim. I think as a passer, he's improved a lot. The pull-up mid-range has been really good for him. Uh, He's been shooting about 50% on that, which I think is huge for him. The three has not been there. It's been abysmal for him, but I think for the guy like him, you kind of expect that to get better. I had my doubts about him kind of handling the ball a lot. And I, you know, I went mm-hmm. back and forth and you said that, you know, these on ball reps, just like Devin Booker, they're going to help him in the long run. And even if that's not what they go to in the playoffs, like this trial by fire, he's going to learn. I was super mm-hmm. against it. And I think he's looked great other than the shooting, which I don't think this is a product of. Um, he's looked terrific. Yeah. He's definitely getting more comfortable. Um, I believe that the very first Milwaukee Bucks game was really a big one for me. Um, I mean, the first game of the season against Orlando, Markel Fultz just kind of ate his lunch for half the game. That's a tough and matchup. Then the next though. game, you get, you know, you get, yeah, that's a tough matchup. And get well soon, Markel. Dude, yeah. But he's um, playing great. You, get, you know, just thrown gone early. You get Mark was he was, but you know, early in the season, like it's Markel Fultz, and then you get Lonzo Ball, and then you get Drew Holiday. And, you know, predictably, it looked early, you know, when in those possessions where he was getting picked up like three quarters court or full court, you see the limitations of the handle. Like he doesn't have that much shake. He doesn't have that much explosion. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't have much shake. He, he generates those looks in a very different way. Like he's in the I'm not calling him Luka Doncic, but I'm saying within with how he wants to with how he wants to win. It's with deceleration. It's with hesitations. It's with solid footwork. Just get a guy leaning. He's creating it that way. He's not dribble guiding like Kyrie, or he's just not blowing, you know, he's not blowing guys, blowing by guys off the dribble like a Russell Westbrook or John Wall, something like that. Like he wants to win with deceleration and things of that nature. So when you crowd the dribble, you have to be more creative with the ball. And, you know, that's where you see that he is an off-ball guard that can run some actions more so than him being a primary guy. And that's fine. And that's kind of what we got into early in the season where you were already done with the point guard experiment. I'm just like, <laughs> we both agree that point guard is, not, <laughs> you know, we both agree that point guard is not his natural position, but that's also kind of the point. You want to stretch him thin. You want him to expand his game. You want him to get those reps. So if there's ever a situation to where you need him to pick up 
the bulk of the ball handling. Like now with Bam out, Jimmy out, Goran out, those reps early in the season, they help him get more comfortable handling those workloads. And then you see the game in Philadelphia to where he just completely turns it out, specifically in the second half. And it, it was funny, and I tweeted about it during that game. It was funny that Tyler was doing mis, doing the mismatch hunting when normally he's on the other end of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, he he's just calling, I think, Dakota Matthias. I think yeah. That's what it was. Really, like, every time down, he's like, hey, we're going to get, you know, he's hitting these, he's getting to the rim. I was like, look at Tyler, man. This is so inspirational. This is great. <laughs> but, uh, those reps early in the season helped him. They're going to help him moving forward. Uh, <laughs> very proud of him. Like, look at him creating. Look, listen, the, the, the baby goats growing up. Uh, we welcome in, as you can see on the bottom of the screen here uh, on our Twitch page. If you're seeing on the podcast, remember to come to twitch.tv slash Beat. We do all the pods live, including Hangover Time, our post-game show hosted by Alphonse Sydney. Uh, Steve Jones, welcome to the program, sir. Good evening. Can you we hear are, me? We can hear you loud and clear. Listen, you are uh, you have been a get that we've wanted for a while. We love your work at Miami Heat Beat. We have respected you. And uh, as not only colleagues, but friends of Nikaias's, we're very happy and excited for the Dunker Spot. Incredible first episode. Uh, you got to tell Nikaias to cool it with the Raptor slander. I mean, he's just he has to be a little nicer OG. Uh, uh, like, yeah. He'll learn. He'll learn when Canada turns on them. It's all right. Yeah, listen, it, it's going <laughs> to happen. Uh, Steve, my main mission. <laughs> uh, chat saying that Nikias looks like he has a capsi, uh, a taxi cab confession. Oh. <laughs> the chat slandering you and your. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, gotta no, get no. their jokes in, man. They gotta oh, get their man, jokes in. Man. I'm not gonna get slandered for. <laughs> so that's how it works here. Uh... Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's pod, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here on Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you wanted to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning course filled with tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll get you show published to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other listening platforms. And the best part is that you can get this all for $15 a month. That's the same rate that any other hosting site would just charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to your sports experience. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more that's bwhustle.com slash join steve kind of want to bring you in our conversation we're talking about tyler hero as a lead ball handler for miami kind of cited his numbers he's like uh 1.21 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler uh the pull-up three has not been there three-point shooting has been awful uh but he's really done a lot and kind of to nikaias's point like he can't get separation he's not that quick and he's not that athletic he just has tricks uh, I, I I used to compare him to like Lou Williams, right? Because like it's not like Lou is like a really fast dude, but Lou has a lot in the bag. Kind of wondering, you know, what your take has been on on the ball, the on ball experiment of small guard with alligator arms, Tyler Hero. Uh, I think it's been going well, especially since he's got a bigger workload. Last year it was the progression for him, uh, where you saw he would take steps, make better reads, make better plays. I was a little concerned at the start of the season that he was starting to predetermine what he would do in pick and roll, where he would just kind of take one dribble, expect the roll to be open, or, you know, one dribble, think the shot's going to be there, and it's not. That always concerns me from a young guard. But I think he's finding his footing. I think he's getting the opportunity to make those kind of plays. And as long as he continues to set himself up, use screens. You know, he can't afford to not use screens. He's not going to get the reject. Uh, so he's going to have to come off and read the defense, see if the defender's back, hit the roll man, find the open shooter. Good things will happen for him. But it's always a concern that as he continues to score, he may get more attention. And when that attention is good for Miami, because it'll open more plays up, but it could take him out of some action. Like, He's a guy that I've oh, and Nikai is kind of. We used to talk about this a little bit with Josh Richardson. Josh is a guy that you want to attack a bent defense, you don't really want him bending a defense, right? Like, so if Jimmy's the guy doing this stuff, and and they haven't, Steve, they haven't done a lot of like small to wing screens. Like, I would kind of like Miami to do a little bit more of that. I know they run their kind of inverted horn sets, but 
I kind of want Tyler come up kind of screen for Jimmy going downhill. Like they Miami's offense has been weird. It, it doesn't look good, but some of the shooting hasn't really been there. And you kind of hope that that picks up, but I think, yeah, and some of the numbers don't bear this out. And I think that bucks game is, is kind of weird. And they have a couple of weird games in there that in this small sample, but when they have Jimmy at the four with shooters, the offense looks good. You get Tyler off ball, moving, cutting, screening. I kind of think that's going to be their offensive recipe. It's been concerning to me, but there are signs of life there. I don't know how you feel, Steve. I feel good about where Miami is going to be. I think they have the benefit of the doubt for me just because of what spoke can create. The question is going to be the lineups. Can they find the right combinations? Um, especially in a season like this where you don't know when your team is going to be your team and when your team's not, even though Miami somehow finds a way to get 10 times better with half the players. I don't know how they do it every cool. single year. <laughs> The culture. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Hashtag culture. My bad. Um, but I think it, it's just going to be it's going to help if you continue to get Duncan Robinson going. I think you have multiple ways you can look at it. You have Bam able to create precious, able to pick and roll and run dribble handoffs. Uh, Kelly able to be big and hit shots and you can still go small. So I think it's really just finding the right combinations. And I think it's going to take some time there for them to to tinker and figure that part out. So they're plus 12 when they played that two big lineup of Kelly and Bam in 112 minutes, offensive 114, defensive 102. I don't know how sustainable that is. So they've been weird because there have been years where the Kelly Bam lineups are really good and kind of gets Bam off ball a little bit. They kind of do those four or five handoffs, which I love. And guys, you know how much I love a big yes. to big handoff. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> it looks so goofy. Cause like Kelly's kind of a goofy look, you know what I mean? He doesn't, he moves a little awkward, but he's a really good shooter. He's a good decision maker. Something I like is that he actually will punish a dude in the post off a switch. Something that we've been uh, about Bam to do. Uh, Kelly will take yes. him down there, put him in the blender. Uh, and it looks awful every time he does it. Yeah, I mean, yesterday he does like these really long dribbles where he's like going back and forth, like he's doing a weird, like like a white person dancing. And then he does like this little spin move and like hits it off glass. And I was like, okay, listen, man. Uh, whatever works. I don't, I don't really know. I, I've said I don't think that that's the answer in the playoffs. I think that's a regular season band aid. Like I don't know how you get away with playing Kelly and Bam against the Nets, for example, or or even mm. against the Bucks or, or any of these teams that can downsize against them, like. They need an answer at the four. And I don't, I know you have advocated for Jimmy. I don't like that, especially long term. They need, they need something because I don't, I don't think that that lineup, though, though that two big guys is sustainable for them. Um, if I can plug the can be a segment from the podcast that we were, um, that we dropped on Monday, this kind of gets into my thing with coaches and letting young players explore during the regular season. And like we're seeing that with Tyler Hero, but to your point about the front court in particular, I don't know why KZ Akpala isn't getting minutes. I don't know why oh, he's in. Free boy. KZ, thank you. <laughs> Dude, Nikias, you see him blue check marks in our group chats. Make fun of like say that I'm crazy. They say I'm crazy. They say the KZ is one of the worst G League players. I've I've seen it. I see the vision. I see it, Pat. Like I just like I agree. Like obviously, we're just us. comparing the careers. He does. He does. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he can slander me on the pod for it. But uh, like Mo Harkless has a longer track record. Obviously, Kelly O'Linick has a longer track record. He's better. You know, if we're just looking at the careers. But like, it's a weird season, and you need to get some improvement on the margins. You want a long-term answer at the four. Like, give Casey Akpala a 10, 15-game stretch where he knows I'm going to get 18 to 21 minutes a night and then evaluate from there. Because, I mean, we've seen already, Bo Harkless is not the answer at the four. Oh, yeah. He may, you know, he may he may very well be, and I think he can be, a serviceable three, you know, in the, in the games that Jimmy missed or if you just bring him off the bench as a three. Like, three is his natural position. But the four is just not it for him. He's he's too small. He's too thin. He's not going to be able to downsize that way. And he isn't shooting enough, and he isn't shooting well enough to kind of punish teams for playing off of him. So from there, you know what you have in Moharkless. I say again, just give it a give it a ten game stretch. You know, obviously COVID permitting, but you know, give those reps to Casey Akpala. You know, he is a long athlete, very range of defender. 
you know, he's very willing to shoot. Um, oh, yeah. I would like I would like to see him be a little bit more willing to drive as well, because I think him getting downhill, that's going to help him build some confidence, get him some easy looks. But, um, like, give him those refs. I mean, we've seen the flashes from him defensively. Um, saw it a little bit in the regular season last year. We saw it, saw some flashes in the preseason, um, particularly that Toronto game. Um, like, give him, don't give him the keys, but like, let him, just let him try. It's very odd to see him get DMP'd and then he'd get, you know, a minute and a half at the end of a game that's out of hand. And then it's another DMP. And then it's a random late first quarter, early second quarter appearance. I'm just like, what are we doing with it? What, what's going on with his That's minutes? a classic Spo. That's a that Spo. Like, that sounds like a Miami Heat young player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's right. weirdly it just been Tyler, really, because even Bam didn't get a lot in the beginning. Like, Tyler's like one of the few guys, uh, Steve, that they just kind of let, like, loose early. Yeah, they did. Usually it's a slow burn, and then all of a sudden, bam, they're good. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, so I, I don't mind Akpala. <laughs> I don't want to get in the middle of all of that. I know exactly how that goes. What I would say is I think he will get an opportunity at some point during the season. You have to assume he will. And he will have the chance to play his way in. I think that's bottom line. I think that's what we want. And I know y'all want it. I know y'all want it back. <laughs> I'm surprised. Why is everyone so out on Mo Harkless so quick? I'm curious. Would you like to guess what Mo Harkless is shooting from the field this year? 17%. 17%. Uh, he's oh, I got uh, that right. You did. You did. Hey, I, I, you know, I Steve, I, I wrote a piece uh, about the heat power forward situation, and it just turned into kind of a Mo Harkless hit piece as I like watched film and looked at numbers. I was like, oh god, uh, he's played like ninety five percent of his possessions via cleaning the glass at power forward, uh, which obviously isn't the guy's like kind of articulated. It's not his position. They just don't really have the infrastructure for him to be good. Oh, sorry. The uh, other no, you're right. good. The, uh, <laughs> the other thing with him that I think kind of hurts him offensively, and we haven't talked about a lot, you know, the Heat don't really have an offense where they just park a dude in the corner. It's a lot of movement, and I don't think mm-hmm. Mo is used to that. And, like, the corners are for relocation. Like, Duncan's getting there somehow. Tyler's getting there. They don't have a P.J. Tucker guy that that's just kind of planted there and, and waiting for guys to help off of him. And I think for Mo, that's been an issue because sometimes when he's at the four, he's screening up top. They're running some handoff stuff for him. So I don't think he's in spots that he's used to. And I just think as a function of the offense, and like he's, it's just not a rhythm thing for him. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball player strikes out when the bases are loaded. The best golfer sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. And the whole process is discreet and straightforward. Get Getting started is simple. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete the online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. 
go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 to get $15 off your first month. Look, that's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get to roman.com slash heatbeat21. Go get started to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Like There's it's definitely been a learning curve. There's definitely a learning curve. So I'd like to see him at least the chance to fail before I completely write him off. Because if he can figure it out, he helps. He can guard multiple positions, potentially make down three. So, you know, you might want to keep him in your back pocket. Throwing it out there, he just hasn't guarded down. Like when guys, we talked about this. Like we at least expected him to be faster than Jay Crowder. Like Jay was kind of slow footed, <laughs> right? Like I had listen, I uh, Steve, I have my listen. Just Jay Crowder and I have a very strange, strange relationship, and now I miss him. I miss him so much. I, at first, I slandered him. I said he's a mediocre shooter. He's not going to help them. They're going to try to switch with him, and he's just going to get destroyed. Jay Crowder, I did when they got him for for like oh boy, yeah. And then he went. I, he went like six for nine in his first game here or something like that. And I, I heard it from everybody. I, I didn't get enough of it. Um, eventually, I was right. He did cool off. It just took forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, I got a question. Yeah. I got a question. Go. Solomon Hill or KZ Akpala? Oh, Solomon Hill. That's my guy. Is that Solomon, okay. Hill's, okay. Solomon Hill, friend of the show. Friend of the show? Friend of the show. He came out to talk anime with us. Uh, it, was, nice. it was the highlight of my, of my podcasting career. <laughs> I've never heard him so happy on the podcast. Oh, it's because, you know, when, when Solomon came on and then he came back because we said we had him on like in the first round. And I was like, well, Solomon, you know, once you guys make the finals, you got to come back. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then they made the finals. And I was like, well, you know, good luck. And uh, he hopped on. That's my guy. No, like legit. Uh, I, I was kind of upset that they didn't get to keep him because he's like, it's just a veteran body that I think provides a lot for them. Not a bad shooter uh, is smart, kind of knows their system. I, even as a, as a leader, kind of in these times there's a lot of uncertainty i think vets help a lot uh you know these rookies are kind of thrust into these situations i mean tyrese maxi's been great but i mean that that must be hard when when you're not used to that minute load and all of a sudden you're kind of thrust oh well we're playing eight guys today you know here are the keys to everything we do (laughs) go out and get them Uh, i think kind of these veteran presence really help out so like that was a that was a guy that probably like it doesn't matter in the long scheme of things but i I was really sad when, when they lost him and it's not like he got a major payday from Atlanta, so it it was kind of odd that they didn't bring him back. Got him. Um, I mean, I, I guess the the pri- I mean, well, this goes back to your Udonis Haslam point, which we are not going to rehash because we don't want. Are you chat- sure? Because we don't want to- Steve. Do you are you aware of uh, Nikias's Udonis Haslam take? I would love to hear it. Nikias, floor is yours. Udonis Haslam is one of the most important figures in Miami Heat history. Lifer, community um, leader. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nakaius is starting with love, so I have a feeling I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, Udonis Haslam should be a part of the Miami Heat organization as long as he wants to. Okay. Udonis Haslam has not been a functional NBA player for <laughs> six years, <laughs> and should not have a roster spot. He should, you know, he should be in the front <laughs> office. He should be an assistant coach. Mm. He, you know, again, be a part of the Miami Heat forever. As far as him holding mm. a roster spot, and he's played, ah, oh man, I, I don't want to look it up right now, but I know he's played <laughs> something like eighty minutes over the last four or five years. <laughs> like, there's no reason for him to be on the roster. Is my take, and it's a controversial take for some reasons. Yes, because he's a beloved community figure that means a lot to us. We grew up with him. That we love that's that fi- guy. That's fine. I'm not saying Lifer. leave. The, I'm not saying leave the Heat, but he doesn't play. Nah, man, you can you can sit on the sit on the bench as long as he wants. Thank Let you. him sit on the bench as a coach. Is nah, all I'm saying. Now keep the warm ups on you, D. <laughs> Listen, he played. He played 74 minutes two years ago. Okay, so two hey. years ago, cool. The it, Heat man. were the Heat cool almost it. lost by 50 to the Bucks, and he didn't get garbage time. Why Why would you kind of waste him at that point? Got to keep him, you know what I mean? He's, I mean, like, if he's not getting in, then when is he getting in? Steve, I think, you know, I know you, you've been, you've worked in teams and you've been, you've been, you've coached in the league. Can you talk about kind of when a guy's in uniform, that word means something different than a guy in a suit? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to really quantify. But when they're there, they're kind of in it. When they're in the suit, they're still helping, but it doesn't have the same impact. They're, you're not quite in the fight as much. So there's a disconnect. 
So I, I just think Udonis Aslam brings ultimate value to that organization. And if he like to continue uh, to wear the warmups and help the squad out, let him do it till he pleases. That dude that is, is still, that dude still Hashtag lives. Culture. culture, loyalty, heat lifer. It's everything that the organization propagates. How dare you, Nikaias? How, how dare you do this to your constituents? I, again, I'm not saying he shouldn't be part of the organization, but like, <laughs> sign someone that could sign a body that could give you something if you need it. Like, especially in a, a COVID season like this. Like, I would like to have a functional NBA player. Over How about you the- hold the league accountable and maybe increase the roster spaces? That that should also happen. You're doing the single accountability thing. <laughs> this individual <laughs> accountability thing on UD. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is just I, don't, I, don't I love know. you, man. Nah, listen, he's know. listen. I I don't I don't 100 disagree with you, but if you do want a spot, he's here. Um, but you know they, I, there's something to be said about like having the extra space because they the Heat do hit on a lot of diamonds. I mean, Gabe Vincent, for God's sake, was torching the Sixers, which I don't know what the hell happened there. I mean, that was these these games have been so crazy. Kind of uh, we're running on time. Uh, kind of want to close a little bit on on the defense because we haven't touched on that yet. They haven't switched as much as I would like. They switch sometimes. They drop a lot still. I don't know if that's a function of the regular season or the fact that they don't have a functional four. I, I don't really know what their answer in the playoffs is going to be because when they play Bam and Olenek, that that's not a switchable lineup for them. They just really don't. And, and what made them special was Jimmy, Bam, shooters, switch everything, be aggressive, play the passing lanes, you know, really push up. Uh, I, I thought that their guards are very small. And I think that it's tough when there's penetration because Bam's typically out there and there's nobody on the back line. And if that helpers Tyler or that helpers Duncan or or even Jimmy for that matter, who's a really good help defender, but you know, that's not the size you want kind of like I've made this joke when Giannis turns the corner on the pick and roll and he sees Mo Harkless, he starts laughing, right? Like that's, you know, he's he's just going (laughs) to body him over. Like this is not. So I I have questions about their defense, Steve. I don't know how fixable it is without a trade. Do you see anything that they're doing that we could take some positives from? It's it's a difficult thing because it, they're not a finished product. And even last year, their man-to-man wasn't necessarily their strength all the time. So I think it's it's kind of one of those things where you have to judge the activity. You have to judge the rotations and see if they can keep the, the ball in front. Um, I it's It's tough. It's tough because it hasn't looked like it should. I'll admit that. They're not as crisp in pick and roll. They're not as crisp into the rotations, but they show flashes of that activity. And you have to hope that starts to sustain as the season builds. Um, and I think it's important for them to display that man-to-man defense um, so that the zone has more power whenever it comes out the back pocket, you know? Um, so it's just going to take the consistency of getting those guys those reps. And I think that's one of the things where the shortened preseason hurts Miami because there's not as much time to get those reps in because their defense is predicated on having to rotate, having to show help. Um, but they show flashes. I mean, when they played Milwaukee, it looked pretty great, but it's just sustaining it. And I think that's maybe a function of lineups, maybe a function of COVID. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Miami is a team where I trust them, but it looks <laughs> up and down all the time. Just because I don't – It it looks odd. Like, it, it looks like the Miami Heat, then it doesn't look like the Miami Heat, then it looks like the Miami Heat, and it's like – I. I can't get a feel for it. Like that, <laughs> like that Wizards game, like without Beal, like I understand it's a good offensive team, but like they're, they're just getting killed in pick and roll. And like last night, and I know that they didn't have their guys, uh, you know, but Tyler just can't stay in front of Maxi, and every Maxi's putting him in the blender every time, put him in pick and roll, getting to the rim, literally nothing they can do. And, and if he's not, you know, they're not doing that strong hedge and recover stuff. I, I don't know how survivable he is. I haven't seen a lot of improvement there. Again, I, I just I just think it's a function. They got I think Spoh's letting them take them some hits so they can review it and get better at it. And I think you'll see it improve as the season goes on. Or if you don't, you'll see zone. <laughs> the guys, <laughs> I, I, am uh, am I being apocalyptic or are you worrying? Uh, yeah, I'm more concerned about the defense than their offense. I will say. Um, I'm concerned about think, both, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fair. But like it's it's early, and like we know what Miami's offense looks like at peak form. Last year, even at peak form, it wasn't very good into the trade. 
So now <laughs> there there has been a little bit of a downgrade. You slot Kelly Olynyk into the starting lineup, and as you mentioned, they are they're definitely a drop team now. Like we talked about this before the year, if the Heat were going to be a drop team or a switch team during the regular season, I think we both said that the Heat were probably going to go drop for most of the regular season yeah. and then downsize later. But yeah, if you're starting Kelly Olynyk and Bam together, you have to drop because you're. I mean, you're not gonna sh- you're not gonna hedge with Kelly Olynyk, or at least you shouldn't, or he's gonna pick up a bunch of silly fouls, and you're definitely not gonna switch with Kelly Olynyk because we know what that looks like. <laughs> Goofy. So, so yeah, I think in terms of the personnel, like I don't know if there's much they can do differently schematically without switching the zone, and I don't think they want to go to that as often as they did last year, because that's, that's when we knew that the defense was in a really bad place when, you know, the heat have been a, a zone heavy team, but like they really ramped it up. Um, Doc, Spencer you know, around- Dinwiddie was carving them up and like any random Nick guard <laughs> was like giving them fits. It was bad. Yeah. Like it, it got bad very quickly last year. So I don't think Spo wants to rely on his own that much and more teams across the league are running zone this year. So I think, the curve Innovator. there is kind of is kind of shrinking there. So hold, I don't on, know. hold on, more teams are running zone because they can't play man. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yes, zone defense is turning into we can't stop you defense. Oh, like I'm telling you well, right now. That right that's now. that's a function of Rick Carlisle. With, you know, with that Mavs team in 2011. It's like yes. we yes. got a bunch of small dudes and Dirk, and let's just fucking throw this out here and you know, <laughs> let's hope you nah. miss some threes. Now nah, I'm telling you now it's gone full circle. Zone went from a weapon. Uh, to now, oh yeah, we can't stop you. Let's throw this out here for a couple times. Hope it works. Uh, then listen for the heat. It was very fruitful last season. Uh, they, <laughs> let me tell you, they couldn't guard anybody, and they figured some shit out. And they were like, Myers, you play really high up, and you put your big ass arms high, and you make those passes hard. Uh, and the Raptors too. The Raptors, the Raptors have gotten a lot out of their zone. I don't know. I haven't done much of it this year. I don't think, but uh, yeah, it it worries me. I I think they'll be fine. I. I think that they're probably going to make a trade or something but i mean i think in house you, you can make i think you know their guys haven't played that well. i mean what if they've been healthy for three games four games you know two it's it's not really fair and, and they've been against good teams it's been like boston milwaukee right like these really potent offensive teams that you know it's 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 tough and like you know steve you know you've worked with, with teams like it must be hard when you're a guy like, you know, Jimmy and Bam, you're not playing basketball and God knows how much training they're getting in these seven days, right? Like they're, they're supposed to be isolating. We, you know, you would, you would think so, you know, they're probably not getting the treatment, the training and the kind of workouts that they should be getting. And then they're going to come back and they're going to be dropped into a 35 minute professional basketball game against God knows who the warriors or whoever the hell they play. Right. Like that can't be good. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough to get a rhythm when you're having to do that all the time. <laughs> so it, it's gonna be, it, I don't know how these guys come back from those, you know, <laughs> it's one of the amazing parts about the league. That scares me. Like, I'll say one more thing about the Miami defense. Un, unprompted. Let's go. Watch for the dribble penetration. If they can't keep the ball in front, you know Miami's defense is in trouble. Well, that's that's been the case. Like, they're guard, like if Avery's not on the ball, any guard is just doing whatever they want. I mean, it's evidenced by last night and everything. That part concerns me a little bit more than pick and roll because I think they can figure pick and roll out to a degree. But if they're not able to keep the ball in front and they have to help all the time, it's it gets ugly. They're doing this thing where they're helping really early from the corners, which I like, but that's just gonna that's gonna burn you. Like uh-huh. there's gonna be games that that's just some teams, somebody's going to hit a bunch of corner. I mean, last night too. I mean, I thought the strategy on Embiid was good until he started hitting the Dirk freaking one-leggers, you know, sending help early on the paint, sending it quick, sending it early, double rotate, recover, uh, and, and give up that, that, that three and Danny hit nine. And they're like, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Joel and Ben are playing bad and, uh, whatever we, we know how that ended, but I, I think fun to generally sound. Uh, you know, before we go, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because the Duncan Bam handoff has not been the same as it was last year. And part of it is that, you know, Duncan was shooting like 45% from three or 42%, like ridiculous volume and ridiculous shooting season. You know, I, he's still shooting 40%, but it's not the same, right? You, it, it, he, he went from like a legitimately legendary shooter to a very, very good shooter. And that that's going to change some stuff. And I think some teams are kind of sending two off the handoff. 
And if Bam or whatever big is not slipping early, and if that pass is not coming early, it just kills what they do. And I don't really know how many solutions they have because then they'll just start doing what I call the revolving door of handoffs. Where <laughs> they just, they, they pivot into another handoff and they're doing that until it's nine on the shot clock. And then Tyler or somebody has to put it up. Like, I don't, I don't know how that gets remedied. I don't know if that's a Duncan needs to pass better thing, or if he has to kind of see that coming. Like, what do you, what do you think they can do with those? I think a lot of it is just the flow. I think teams are locking on it more and more because they've seen the film. They know what it can do. They know what it opens up. So they know if they take Duncan away, they can figure out the rest. Uh, I mean, obviously you put them in different spots. I think you, a couple fake handoffs, maybe a fake screen, use gravity, your advantage a couple times and put that in the back of the team's mind. And I think you'll get your flow back because uh, what Duncan does is so much of just passing it to Bam and cutting off of it and in random times where the defense can't catch it. I think if they can get more of that in the flow, they'll be, they'll be fine. I think the chemistry is still there. It's just, man, if teams are going to start trapping like that, it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, you got to have more into like, and he, he comment like Nikai, he was Duncan was saying in the off season, like, Oh, I'm working on my, my pull up dribble mid range. And I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's nice. But like, can you, can you work on like a slip pass? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like that that has a little bit more utility than uh that it might be mean i was like he told duncan to make a bounce pass That's just, like just i don't know like the you know bam slipping like can you beat the double because like the i mean like the raptors were switching that in, in the bubble right so they, they do that switch and then powell or whoever would front and og gets on duncan and it just blows up their offense and i know last season their their offense like dropped like 10 points when, when Duncan was off the court. And this year it's not to that degree, but it, it's still sharp. Like if he's not firing and if he's not a huge part of what they do, it, it just seems like they don't have enough. Yeah. And I think to Duncan's credit, like he has improved as he has improved a little bit as a passer. Um, he does look more comfortable attacking closeouts and attacking those while, you know, if they trap, he passes and then relocates and then you have another guy running at him. He's able to beat those guys. And I think within that specific context, that's where he's like, I need to add a one dribble pull up or a two dribble pull up because you want, you want to mix that in. Like it, it, it's still, I would have to get as much as at the room, but it feels like every layup that he's taken has been uncontested at this point, just because teams are so worried about him at the three point line. If you do get that trap and he slips it or whatever, or if it's just, they switch it and then he cuts off of it. You know, nobody can really contest him because he's by himself. So, like, he's he's still doing the work, moving off the ball. Um, the passing is getting there. Um, it's just a matter of it's kind of unfair to him, but like, he has to get back to shooting forty five percent, forty six percent for three. <laughs> like Duncan, be Curry, please. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it is because I think what was a little bit undersold last year is that I mean, a Duncan was incredible. But also, he had to be incredible because the Heat do not have an A-list creator. They just don't. Like, Jimmy Butler is a very, very strong B-plus as, like, a number one scoring option. And Bam, when he's aggressive, is a strong B-plus shot creator. But, like, they need Duncan to bend defenses to Curry and levels to kind of bend the floor, force rotations, and then you have easier lanes to be attacked. As a D3 so like now, prospect, and we're like, bend the defense <laughs> in Curry and levels. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that we're here. And like, we didn't think he was an NBA player a year and a half ago. Guys, we made fun of them for playing him in the last game that Dwayne played. We're like, why is Duncan taking all their, like, like Dion's minutes? Like, what the hell's going on here? And then Spoke called him like called him one of the best shooters in the world during training camp. I'm just like, well, we made okay. fun of him on the show. We're like, Spo, what are you talking about? And then he does what he did last year. But yeah, I think there's just there's a lot of pressure on Duncan to be one of the three or four best shooters on the planet in history. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's kind of unfair to him, but also it's a testament to how good he is. So I, I do think that's going to work itself out, um, especially as the team gets healthy and you have more weapons. I don't think teams will be able to trap Duncan as aggressively as we've seen them trap him. So I, I think once the team gets healthy, you get more chemistry built, you get more offensive flow. I think that's going to come back. 
I mean, I, I think the positive was when when they started doing that. Tyler just took initiative, and he's like, "Okay, we're going downhill. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, Duncan, you play off ball, and and I'm I'm taking it, and I'm going to the rim and I'm challenging Embiid and all that stuff." Uh, shout out to the gifted sub. Thanks, Brian M. Uh, and we have reached the end. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you for making time. You are two of the people that I respect most in this industry. I am looking forward to your podcast uh, every week. I know that drops Monday. Steve, would you like to let the people know? You guys have a, a mailbag. How can I get into the mailbag? How can I ask a question? I have things I want to ask Nikias and you. Um, I normally send out, well, I'm saying normally like the pod's been here for like three months or whatever, but uh, I did, I sent out a tweet uh, around noon on Sunday. Uh, um, I to say if I want to set up an email account for the pod or if I wanted to set up an account for the pod in general on Twitter that people mm-hmm. can funnel the questions to. Do both. Do both so we can get cussed out. Yeah. All right. I have, <laughs> I have Raptor questions. I, I, have, uh, I have Raptor questions for you. I'm excited. <laughs> Steve, I like Steve. I uh, I enjoy watching Kyle Lowry is my favorite basketball player, and it's weird, whatever. But I like watching, and I get slandered here because uh, I run a heat show, and I like Kyle, so everyone gets mad at me. So I have to be oh, a, I have, a bulldog. After I, I have to like the Raptors in secret. I'm like I'm like watching like on leak pass on a tablet and making sure nobody sees me. <laughs> I can't even live tweet the games. I'm just like adding Iman and Sandy and, and Yasmin and like and all everybody on Raptors because I can't like publicly tweet it because everybody gets mad at me. So I just kind of like I hide myself. I'm like hidden in plain sight. A hidden Raptors fan. I love I'm, it. I'm cyber bullied. I'm cyber bullied, Steve. Oh man, well, they're in Tampa, they Tampa now, so it's cool. Yeah, cool. uh, I can't even go. I'm locked at home. This is, I, I, I'm strictly at home. I don't leave. I, I don't remember socializing. Uh, a clutch Adam in chat said to me, it's called a burner account. You're right. I, I should just do it. I should, I should just make a burner. Uh, yo, Steve, where can people find you on Twitter? It's your first time on the show. I want our audience to find you because your stuff is great and you're tweeting out live tweeting out games or breaking down film and it's legitimately great stuff. Uh, you can find me at, at Steve Jones 20. The number two zero, not the word. We will put that in the description. Gentlemen, thank you for joining the program. We hope to have you on. Good luck in your endeavors with the Dunker Spot. Uh, Excellent name. Support everybody at Basketball News. They do great stuff there. And uh, check out, remember, Hangover Time tomorrow uh, after the game here, twitch.tv slash MIEP. Before this pregame show, we have me, we have Jack Alfonso and other guests. I, I booked a big one on Sunday. Let's hope that he says yes. I, I'm tentatively expecting a big guest on Sunday, so check that out. I'm really excited for that. Uh, once they say, I will, I will tweet it out of our Twitter account. Gentlemen, thank you so much, and enjoy. Have a great night. Thank you, sir. Uh, you guys are awesome. I appreciate it so much.